When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Morena, and good morning, New Zealand. It is uh, Friday. Thank goodness, two a days away from Sunday. We've had a busy week and we have a very busy show this morning. I can promise you that uh, very shortly talking to uh, the New Zealand Olympic Committee President Mike Stanley, of course, a very, very accomplished uh, world-class rower uh, in his own right. What a day it has, uh, has been so far. Actually, the, the rowing's been a highlight, but certainly today promises to be even more special than it has been. Joseph Parker before 10 o'clock. Uh, later in the uh, morning, we'll talk to Dale Stevenson. Dale is uh, the coach of uh, Val Adams and Tom Walsh, uh, two great medal prospects for us, of course. Uh, we've got a panel later this morning. We'll be talking to Louis Herman Watt and Brendan Popperwell uh, from the TAB. Tony Johnson, of course, he's been very busy calling the Sevens action. What's he made of it? And other rugby matters as well. Uh, and then we're going to ring the, the Drysdale house again. They must be getting sick to death of us. But uh, anyway, <laughs> we're going to ring Juliet. Drysdale, of course, a champion rower in her own right when such a big day for Emma Twig in particular. We'll get a bit of a preview and a review from her on the action we've seen so far. Uh, so that's uh, a really, really busy three hours ahead of us. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, there are three great certainties in life. You know the saying, death, taxes, and New Zealand Olympic rowing medals. They're all just so inevitable. Every four, or in this case five years, there they are, our brilliant rowers, on the dais, proudly displaying their hardware, often listening to the beautiful sounds of God Defend New Zealand. It's a truly glorious sight. Some are stoic, some are emotional, I'm always the latter. Our rowers are a special breed, that in itself is interesting. Are you bred to do it? Are you lured into it at school, courtesy of your mates or the magic of the Marty Cup? Or do you start later in life? I've never been a rower, even in the days when I could fit into a skull or a skiff. I was chasing balls, catching or dropping them. I do not know. I have no idea what it takes inside to be that driven or that disciplined to have to prepare the way that they do. I do, though, have a little idea of what's needed to get it right on the biggest occasion, when it really matters most. And that is why I have so much admiration. Since the turn of the century, a whole six Olympiads ago now, it's been a procession. And now the names Prendergast and Gowler, Donahue and Osborne are cemented into the rowing role of honour. And who knows, later today, who may well join them. 
It's so exciting to speculate. So yes, unfortunately, death is certain. Taxes, well, they are inevitable, and uh, increasingly so, unfortunately. But Kiwi rowing medals, they are clearly the preferred option. And we all prefer some more today. So cool, so calm and relaxed under pressure from the Russians to their left, under pressure from the Canadians to their right. Britain trying to get back on the Canadians for the bronze medal, but I think it's too late, too little, too late. Kiwis, yeah, they edge on imperiously out to this gold medal. What a performance from the two women. Up to the line then is Prendergast and Gala, the world champions who now have the Olympic gold medal too. First Olympic gold in the women's pair. Well, there's always moments in sporting commentary that uh, will be etched into history. We'll hear them time and time again uh, that we uh, will enjoy reliving for many, many years ahead. And I'm sure the man that's joining me right here and now, Mike Stanley, uh, CNZM, uh, CEO of uh, Rowing New Zealand. He was for a long time, but now president of the New Zealand Olympic Committee. He's got a wider hat on. Of course, a, a world champion rower in his own right. Uh, Mike Stanley, good morning to you. Proud moments again for rowing. It's just, it happens on a regular basis. Maureen, uh, Ian, yeah, no, it, it does. And I loved your uh, little sermon, although I don't know what rowers like to be compared to uh, taxes and death. But um, look, it is uh, a really <laughs> special day <laughs> today. Um, you know, for three of our crews, obviously, we've had two wonderful performances and also some very strong performances from other crews. But these three today, are obviously, are very special for us. You know, let, let's just dwell on the ones we've seen so far. The, the silver medal uh, two days ago, the gold medal yesterday. Uh, they are a culmination of a lot of hard work. I think we really do have to understand that. It, it is, you know, um, sport at any level, and I think you've, you've probably played your own um, commitment to cricket down a bit uh, in your intro. But you know, it, it requires uh, a huge investment of time, of passion, and of real expertise, and it and it and it needs to be done over a long period of time. So if you look at uh, Kerry and Grace, where they've come from, uh, the, you know, their sort of story obviously started at school but then went into um, the lower levels of the uh, Rowing New Zealand High Performance Program based at uh, Lake Karapiro. And uh, after all these years of working away at it, a couple of world championships under their belt, uh, they now stand on the Olympic dais. dais. So, it, you know, it really do, it does require absolutely the fullest of attention and a very, very robust um, both personality and and uh, um, physical part of it as well because they are tested uh, all through that period to get to the point where they can win an Olympic medal. So, Mike, I, I did mention it uh, in my sermon about what happens or what gets young kids into rowing and I just I wanted to know that. I mean, if your parents are rowers, maybe you'll go into it because of the family pride and that's just the way that you are. Um, but how strong is perhaps our secondary school rowing problem, uh, program? Is, it, is the Māori Cup still got the same stigma it has when I was growing up in Wanganui and they, they had strong crews back then? Oh, look, it's bigger and brighter and bolder than it ever has been. And it doesn't show any signs of, of uh, slowing down. More schools are, are added to the program each year so that more kids get the opportunity to, to try rowing. 
And it's one of those sports, um, it's, it's not a game um, which has its own sort of moments of, of, of magic within it, um, but it one that really just grows on people because um, I think it's as much as anything, it's, that, it's this common sense of purpose. Most of it is done in team boats. Well, of course, we've got single skulls and double skulls and things like that. But it's a collective every day fronting up to training and preparing with your mates uh, to put the best performance you can on the water and do things selflessly um, for others because in, in the end, it's tied up. Their success is tied up with your success. And the, the kids, and I, I've done a bit of, fair bit of coaching over the years, um, the kids that go through those programs remain friends for life. And um, they, are, they are some of the most memorable times at secondary school. So um, you combine that with the opportunity and the, the images of our Olympic athletes standing on the dais, and it's a very, very compelling, um, a compelling thing for young people to get involved in. 9-11 here on SENZ, and we're talking to uh, Mike Stanley happily about the subject of successful rowing. The other thing that's got in its favour as a secondary school sport these days, uh, and, and a, I guess maybe even younger if you're thinking about uh, putting your kids into it, there's no physical contact which we're worried about increasingly in sport uh, and no, you know, no signs of concussion and that sort of thing. And, so, and that is the scary thing. I mean, you're, you're the president of the Olympic Committee, so you, you, you span a lot of, of sports and what you're looking at and, and governing over. Uh, and certainly that is an issue today, that physical contact, that concussion subject, um, and, and rowing hasn't got that. No, it's, uh, it, it's not one of our, our combat or, or uh, you know, contact sports at all. Um, it, it, it has obviously some of its own things it needs to uh, take care of um, and growing young bodies and those sorts of things, so there are those considerations. But it, it is, um, you know... It's, a sport where kids typically get up early in the morning, they've got to be well organised uh, and they've got to organise their parents in the early stages of all of that as well. And I think taking um, that responsibility for themselves and their lives is something that parents absolutely value as well. That's the feedback I get. They've, they've, they constantly tell me that, that their child has never been as well organised as they are when they get into rowing. And um, I think other disciplines have that same as well. I think where our young swimmers have that, have that same sort of discipline. Um, it does help them grow up into, I believe anyway, and this is true of most sports, into better human beings. Uh, let's look at uh, the performance thus far. Of course, we, we've uh, reflected already on the, uh, the women's performance in this, this rowing regatta. It's been outstanding. Yesterday, uh, Kerry Gowler and Grace Prendergast uh, they looked as if they had that situation pretty much under control. They didn't jump out to an early lead. They just waited. They pounced. And then they sat there. And I guess the, the, the good thing about uh, being in front and having some, uh, you know, s some energy in the tank is you can pace yourself quite nicely. That's right. And, uh, you know, the race tactics for New Zealand, most New Zealand crews is, is, is not to sort of overcook the start. You see some crews go out very, very fast and then, uh, they carry a lot of lactic acid down the track, uh, which means it's going to come up and bite them um, later on, generally. And uh, Kerry and Grace have got a very long, controlled stroke. So you saw even there's very difficult water conditions. You saw them actually uh, have no problems. We saw some crews in the regatta who had some dreadful problems, and it cost them medals, actually. But they were, they were absolutely composed. They used that long, strong, steady stroke to just edge their boat forward rather than try to leap it forward. 
and they are very sensible tactics in those conditions. And when they saw the Russian crew coming in on the inside at them fast, they had that bit of extra to just push out again and make sure that that doesn't become a problem as they approach the finish line. So it was really both... Um, and, you, and you heard um, uh, uh, Kerry talk about it afterwards. She said they didn't know they had won. You know, we could see they were winning, but they were so much in their bubble that they had, she didn't know that they actually had won. They were just focused on the performance. It is such a, an inward-looking sport. You know, you just look down that straight line, perhaps. You look at the row in front of you and just where you've come from. Uh, I, I just, I, it's very hard, hard to imagine. Uh, look, uh, they, they're brilliant, these two, because uh, today they, they now put that behind them uh, and they step into the eight, um, Kerry Gowler and Grace Prendergast. Uh, they've been going well. What chance do you give them this afternoon? Well, they... Um Certainly, I think everyone agree that they go into the final as, as the favourites. But as we saw in the heat, uh, it's very close. Um, the Chinese gave them a run for a long time and then Canada's pushed them hard and um, uh, they were a well-performed crew as well. And, and then on the other side, we've got the sort of perennial um, Olympic champions in the USA. They won the other, other heat that raced and won that. Uh, so it is going to be tight. There's no doubt about that. And um, I think uh, we'll just have to wait till the... 2,000 metre mark comes up to see who, who that winner is. But our crew, after the win uh, of Kerry and Grace, I think, are, are going to be have you know renewed confidence. Of, that they, they already had it because they did so well in their heat and, of course, are the 2019 world champions. Um, so it's theirs, uh, it's theirs uh, to win, and um, we wish them all the very, very best. We certainly do. Um, also... The men's eight are in action today, and uh, they've done it the hard way. You came close back in 1984. Um, uh, this is a, a relatively new crew, but they've made uh, some real progress uh, very, very quickly. Are they a chance of uh, standing on that dais? Oh, very much so. Uh, you know, you look at their repercharge performance. Um, they certainly took a step up again, and I think the extra race has helped them. So I think that they, they'll feel very um, uh you know, confident about the ability to sit within that field and mix it with these guys. They, you know, the Germans are the reigning world champions and they have dominated the eight-or event for quite some time now. Great Britain have also been very strong in recent years. Uh, never can out the USA. But look, uh, and, and then there are the Dutch. So there's a, it's a very strong field. It's going to be an incredibly exciting race, as will the women's eight. But our guys have the boat speed to mix it with these guys. I think really will just be whether they can put their best uh, performance on the track today. The other, of uh, course, athlete uh, taking part for us today with a real chance, Emma Twig, she stepped away from rowing. She made the decision to recommit and come back to it. Um, certainly the way she's rowing, uh, she looks on track to, uh, to, to become part of something very special today as well. Yeah, and that, and that would be a great story. Uh, Emma, you know, two times fourth place at the Olympic Games, um, has been in the program now since the mid uh, two, two, uh, decade of 2010, um, and as you say, stepped away and, and did a, a sports um, management degree. Uh, got herself sort of just you know sorted things out in her own mind, and has come back better and stronger than I've ever seen her. So she was three seconds faster than the other semi-final yesterday. Obviously, you know um, you can't really compare times in rowing. You, I think you get in trouble if you start to do that too much but she looked good 
and she looked composed. And again, in these water conditions, don't appear to be difficult um, to the to the naked eye, but they are. They're troubling some crews, but she had no trouble. And uh, I'm, you know, really hoping that she does her things go her way today because that would be a wonderful story. Uh, just finally, Mike Stanley, uh, take your rowing hat off and put your presidential cap on. Um, and look at from an overall point of view. It started with Hayden Wild, of course. The men's sevens uh, have also had a medal. Uh, the rowing is really kicking into gear, and that's uh, not to be unexpected. Uh, in terms of uh, overall expectations, uh, uh, are they meeting the forecast? Oh, absolutely. We try not to forecast medals because those medals are won by athletes, not by organisations. Um, and uh, so, um, we, but if you look at where we were uh, at Rio, um, we're ahead of um, that curve uh, a little bit. Um, but you know, there's a lot of work to do by a lot of athletes uh, to you know to see us uh, up in the, the the 16s or 17, sorry, the 18 that we got at, at Rio. Um, but I believe that we are well on track for that. And um, I really wish everyone all the very, very best in Tokyo. I'm not up there this time, which is a bit of a strange feeling. I'm back here in New Zealand, feeling the, the love of, uh, of um, New Zealand for our athletes. And that's a, a wonderful experience as well. But um, no, they're tracking very well and the, and the team's uh, absolutely comfortable where it is in the village and with uh, the arrangements that have been made to ensure their safety and the safety of the Japanese people. So. Um, everything's going well at this stage, Ian, very well. Oh, Mike Stanley, thanks very much for your time. Uh, highly respected man in New Zealand sport. Uh, of course, uh, New Zealand uh, Olympic Committee president, looking proudly on the performance of our rowers, but our team uh, in general. Uh, it is really starting to come together quite nicely. 8833, uh, folks, 8833 is our text number. Uh, what are you, you forecasting this afternoon? Uh, are we going to see some more glory? Are we going to hear that national anthem again and again and again? Gee, three times would be great, wouldn't it? 0800 is our phone number. 0800 is our phone number. And remember too, uh, our caller of the month uh, will be getting an All Blacks experience, courtesy of Ballpark Entertainment, uh, our wonderful partners in this particular project. So yeah, uh, please make a call. Uh, it's, it's an important time. Where are you going to be watching it? What are you going to be thinking? And are you confident? Joseph Parker, speaking of confidence, coming up shortly. He's the voice of sport in New Zealand. Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.25 here, folks, uh, on Friday morning. And uh, looking forward to the weekend of sport, particularly the Olympics. It's going to be fantastic. Keep your uh, cards and letters rolling and actually text 8833 uh, is the number there, and your phone calls would be greatly appreciated. You go in the draw for that prize that I just mentioned. Got a text from uh, a bunch of lads, 50 of us actually, 50 lads from work heading to Alexandra Park tonight. Have you got one for the syndicate? What's the oil? Yeah, go to race three, fellas. Go to race three. You'll have to perhaps uh, pay for your drinks uh, for the first two, but uh, after race three, you won't have to worry. Call off Noir, number one, Tony Hurley. Uh, we'll be driving that home to victory, form 4-2. It'll go one step better. So have a great night at Alexandra Park. And it is, too, a great night at Alexandra Park. If you haven't experienced it, go. They've got absolutely everything that you would want. Uh, not just have to be a punter there. Great meals, great facilities, great parking. Yeah, fantastic night out. Have uh, a lot of fun, guys. Uh, JD, uh, you know, I'm a Hawks Bay guy, Hawks Bay boy. Uh, really, I'm really so hoping Emma Twig 
you know, I, I really, you know, the, I know the work she's put in. Uh, I know the sacrifices she's made over a long period of time. And today I, I'm really hoping for her. Yeah, this has been quite remarkable, the return of Emma Twig. Um, I always knew she was good at single sculling, but she's come into this regatta just absolutely on fire. Um, and you hear people talk about maybe racing their race too early. That's my only concern here, Smithy, because she was three seconds faster than anyone else in the semi-final. So did she look like to you that she had emptied the tank or do you think she's got more to go today? I think they can gauge how far they are in front, and particularly when you're in a, a semi-final when you know how many people are going to qualify. It's hard to know about the rowers behind Emma Twig. It's hard to know what they're holding back in those situations where they feel comfortable that they've achieved the goal of getting to the next step. It's hard to know what they've got left. So I'm not second-guessing Emma Twig in any regard. All I know is that she's vastly experienced. Uh, all I know is... Um, her method of rowing at the moment is to perhaps to say, come and get me if you're, if you're good enough. And I don't mind that over a period of time, actually. I, I think that it's that kind of course, too. I haven't seen too many, although one of the finishes I saw yesterday when uh, Italy got up, I, I think it was in the women's pairs, uh, Italy got up to run down the Netherlands on the line. It was one of the greatest. I mean, if it was a horse race, you'd think the handicapper was a genius. It was just fantastic how close that finish was, just millimetres in it after all that preparation all that time and all that racing to get to millimetres to, to run them down I thought that was great I don't want to get to that situation from Emma Twig's point of view I'm also looking forward to the men's eight because it used to be in, in the early days growing up that the eight was referred to as the blue ribbon event the blue ribbon event the eight I don't know if it is now I think every one of those uh, particular races every one of those uh, classes of rowing is a blue ribbon event in itself yeah, like it's massive for universities, isn't it? What is it, Oxford, when they go up against another university yep. in England or whatever? It's oh, on the Thames. It's, it's boat race. Yeah, it's huge. It and it was in your top four race. of best gold medals of all time, 1972. And here we are again. It was great to talk to Mike Stanley. They came fourth in 1984. And here we are again, yeah, all these years later with Hamish Bond in the boat, who we all know well uh, from the men's pier. Uh, and... Yeah, man, it's just a, a great moment to see them in a final. Um, I've heard that there's no favourite for this race, Smithy, that it's pretty much wide open. So New Zealand has a great chance to get on the dais there and the women's eight. Listening to Mike Stanley, sounds like they could be a gold medal chance. Yeah, well, a chance, all right. And they've got that gold medal feeling already with uh, Kerry Gowler and Grace Prendergast hopping out from the, the pier into uh, the boat, and into the eight boat. So they know how to win. They've got an element in that boat that absolutely knows how to win. Uh, the eights would be a great story for me because I've done it the hard way to come through the repercharge system uh, and to, to get a medal from there is most unlikely. Most unlikely. When you go through a repercharge system, really you're just holding on to the field, aren't you? You're just, you're just desperate to get into that final. But to all of a sudden be talked, as, uh, talked up as a medal possibility, yeah, uh, that's something exceedingly special. Really looking forward... Uh, to talking to Dale Stevenson too because uh, uh, of course track and field gets underway today and, and Val's in action Yeah I love it this is when it really begins like I was thinking leading up to this Olympics oh, I don't really want the Olympics to go on you know like what's happening with the coronavirus in Japan but now it's all started I've got Olympics fever Smithy and it just goes to the next level once athletics starts so Valerie Adams I think at about 10.25 tonight she will be in uh, qualification, she'll just biff one throw out there and qualify, I'm sure, for the final, and that's really going to ramp up my excitement. Good on you, JD. OK, 9.30 here on SENZ, and we know that uh, at 9.30, uh, 
Trudy Nelson comes into play with the news this morning. It's, uh, it's obviously rugby jersey day or, or team jersey day today. And uh, Trudy, I can see, is wearing an all-black jersey with number one on the back. Number one on the back. Um, yeah, that's an interesting choice of number, Trudy. Here's the news. Yeah, I had well, the first time I trained with him was in Morecambe for my fight with Chisora, and that was great learning. Just you know, training alongside him, seeing how he, what he does, you know, in terms of training, running, punching the bag, all that kind of stuff. And then had the opportunity to train here in Vegas with him. Unfortunately, the fight didn't go ahead because of COVID, but it was just great to be around someone like him. You know, um, seeing how his mind works. Um, you know, physically he's in great shape. Physically he can train. Like I've never seen anyone train as hard. So I actually left my game. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, in terms of Tyson Fury, we look at Tyson Fury. We really only see him uh, on on fight day, and, and you know he's an interesting sort of a character. One on one to talk to, what's he like? One on one to talk to, uh, he is a probably probably the most genuine and just most nice person, and just real down to earth. I know he puts up um, a lot of different characters, you know, with the media being around and say this and say that, but. Uh, what in front of him, you know, when you sit down and have a one-on-one conversation, you know, he's a very nice guy. And I'm, I'm actually looking to bring him down to New Zealand at some stage to do a tour um, so he can talk about mental health. And, you know, that's when we can, you know, when people can travel in without the two-week uh, MIQ quarantine. He's an interesting uh, type of boxer for me eh? and the way he carries himself because uh, he, you know, whilst there is money to be made if you're the world champion, I'm sure, but uh, he doesn't look as if he's a money-driven man. In fact, I, I, I think I recall him giving a lot of his money away already that he's earned. Yeah, he's given, he's given a lot of money to charity. He's given to a, a lot of money to, I think, helping with mental health. He's not, he's not really about... I mean, you know, listen, the sport of boxing is uh, when you do well and you become champion and you keep winning, the, you know, the money comes with it. But he's not really, he wasn't really driven by the money uh, you know, from what I get with the discussions with him. Okay, let's uh, get on into what uh, Joseph Parker is uh, up to and uh, your training, of course, uh, for what's coming up. Uh, what did you learn from your last fight uh, in Manchester, Joe? I mean, every fight's a learning process. What did you, what did you get from that? I learned, uh, well, I learned that I had to put my hands up in the first, <laughs> in the first round. I got dropped in the first uh, 10 seconds, so I need to work on my defense you know, at the beginning of the fight. But there was a lot of, there was a lot of learning for me. Um, you know, it, was, it was different. You know, moving from one camp to the next, moving from Vegas to, to Morecambe, you know, the UK. And I'm still learning. Like, even though I've become champion of the world at 24 years old, there's always a lot of learning to, to be done. And I'm still learning constantly every day, different moves, different combinations, different ways of training. Um, and I'm still, I'm, still loving, I'm still loving boxing and excited about it. So, so you still have the same level of drive, or has it even increased, knowing what it was like and wanting to get it back again? I feel like it's increased, you know, and, and there is, you know, there's a lot of fights where, where I haven't performed the, the best, but it comes down to the type of training I was doing, you know, and I feel like I was overdoing it with training. I, I became so obsessed with training that I, I trained too much, and now I'm learning with, with the camp of Andy Lee and Tyson that, you know, it's, I had to simplify everything and, and take it back a notch. So I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more driven as, uh, now. Okay, so... You know, we, we associated you, of course, with Kevin Barry for such a long period of time, and, and you've changed to, to Andy Lee. What dimension has Andy given you that perhaps is different from what Kevin was teaching you? Yeah, the, the types of training is, is different. You know, like, um, 
you know, going into a boxing session, you know, with, with Kevin, you know, we did great work together. We achieved many things, but, you know, we were doing 20 rounds of boxing each session, sometimes over 20 rounds, whereas with Tyson and with Andy Lee, Andy Lee teaching me, and he's telling me that all you need to do in a gym is 12 rounds, 15 rounds max, and if you give it everything in those rounds, then there's no point carrying on, you know. You don't really gain anything after 45 minutes to an hour. So in terms of training, it's changed up, and in terms of, before I was training three times a day, whereas now I'm training twice a day. Sometimes I only train once a day. So the schedule has changed. Um, different technique, different ways of throwing punches and different steps. So it's all like, it's, I feel like I'm at the beginning of my career where I got this drive, motivation, and I feel like I'm, I'm like a sponge again, learning and absorbing new things. Joseph Parker with us. It's uh, 9.39 here in New Zealand. He's... Uh, in Los Angeles, having some valuable time with his family, but um, maintaining a high level of training as well. Joseph, uh, what is the, the immediate goal? What's next on the agenda fight-wise? Uh, you know, I had the fight on the 1st of May and, and got the win over Chisora, and I was looking at fighting again as soon as possible. Um, I mean, with, with COVID and with fight plans changing all the time, I feel like they were putting other fighters, they were waiting for, uh, you know, on first. So my goal is to get a fight locked in as soon as possible, and David Higgins is working on that at the moment. Um, and I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to go. Okay, can we talk uh, just uh, uh, about today, really? Uh, a very special day for New Zealand boxing uh, when David Nieker uh, gets in the ring again. He got through his first round comfortably. First of all, did you see that fight? Did you see that bloke from Morocco um, or the highlights of that fight? A bloke from Morocco tried to bite him. Yeah, <laughs> I saw the highlights. And you know the great thing about David Nieker is that he's he's a great person in the, in the way that he... You know, um, presents himself in the way that he, he acts, you know. I saw like a, a little thing on Facebook saying, hey guys, don't say anything bad to my opponent. I have a lot of respect for him. But things happen in boxing, you know. And, and when you're challenging at the top level, you, know, you take the good and you take the bad. I don't know, the guy tried to bite him. And, you know, I sent him a message saying, hey, I'm, you're so lucky you got tough skin. But David Naika, honestly, is, is probably one of the most skillful and like the most, I don't know, determined and the most focused, one of the most, most focused fighters I've, I've been around. Well, he, he was uh, very highly thought of because in the end he carried the uh, New Zealand flag into the opening ceremony, that, and that was a, a special thing in its own right. Unless you're a special sort of a character, I don't think you get that kind of honour. Uh, Boxing-wise, though, yeah. uh, it's a quarter-final event today against the six-foot-four Belarusian. I won't even try to pronounce his name, and hopefully he beats him so we don't have to worry about that. Uh, but can you see David Nick going the, the full distance this time around? Listen, uh, I, I truthfully, I, I believe and I have faith that he can get gold. I truly, I truly believe that. Um, I've seen him train. I've seen, like I said, I've seen him focus, like the focus that he has. I've actually had sparring rounds with him, and he is one dangerous fighter. And I, I, I believe that he's going to be, you know, I, I feel like he's going to win gold. Um, that's just the faith that I have in him, and then I feel like he's going to go on to be world champion. Joe, when can we expect you back in good old Kiwiland? In a few weeks, uh, we've finally been able to um, secure MIQ and a spot to get back into New Zealand. So I'm very excited to be back home soon. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, very happy to see you back and very excited. Uh, very popular in this country. Joseph Parker, thanks so much for giving us a bit of your time. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day with your family. Uh, and go David Nika, eh? Go David Nika. Go David Nika. Thanks for having me on and uh, I'll see you guys very soon. Yeah, good on you. That's Joseph Parker. What a wonderful ambassador he is, just uh, for boxing, but for sport in particular. Gosh, he carries himself exceedingly well, and uh, he's a good talker too. Uh, we've got uh, 
news of my multi coming up before uh, 10 o'clock. Uh, keep your uh, texts coming in. We've, we've got some uh, real beauties to read out already. Uh, the fellas who are going tonight, no, it was race three, number one. Race three, number one. Uh, was uh, the horse I was tipping you for, Tony Hurler, he will be driving it. So uh, that's what's coming up very shortly here on SENZ. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.47 here, yep, on SCNZ, the new team in town. Olympics, uh, New Zealanders in action today. Early on anyway, I won't give you the whole list, but uh, just in the first, uh, I guess, two or three hours of action, uh, the dressage team, the individual session starts, uh, and it's uh, Janelle Price, Tim Price, and Jesse Campbell in action for us. Uh, 12.15, the athletics is underway with the high jump. Hamish Kerr looking for qualification there. Yep, 12.33, Emma Twig is scheduled to go in the single skull final, followed by the women's eight final at 105, the men's at 125, and wedged in between that. At 1.15, BMX, Rebecca Petch is in the semi-final, and that's after crashing off her bike, or appearing to crash off her, off her bike early on and making a miraculous comeback. So well done to you, Re- Rebecca Petch. Uh, texts are coming in. Uh, Smithy, great to see on TV last night. Uh, Webo Veldman from the 1972-8, watching the women's pair at the Aramahoe Rowing Club in uh, Wanganui. It was Whanganui these days. I grew up in Wanganui. Uh, Kerry and Jackie Gowler's home club. Kerry and Grace Prendergast are poised to become the first ever Kiwi rowers to win two medals at a single Olympics. How special. Uh, cheers for that, Tony. Uh, Jack, you've uh, written a book. You've war and peace us this morning uh, on the issue of the New Zealand Sevens team. It's so long, I want you to ring up. I'm challenging you to ring up in the next hour after we've had the panel. Uh, you're obviously very, very, very passionate about this subject. So please, Jack, uh, please ring us. 0800. 150811. Uh, with that kind of passion, you could be the winner of our quarter of the month, uh, our All Blacks experience courtesy of Ballpark Entertainment. We can't take you to Perth at this stage. We don't know if it's going to happen in Perth. In fact, it's looking increasingly dicey. Uh, that one, Ian Foster, pretty dismayed about uh, how things are panning out for the All Black program. Just uh, one of those times, I guess, Fozzie, that we all have to grin and bear it and just get on with it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Very, very fascinating what's going on in the world of sport today. Oh, hold it. It's not Hogan's Heroes. That's, it's not Hogan Heroes theme. It's, it's breaking news, JD. What do you got? Smithy, breaking basketball news again. We had the uh, Stephen Adams trade earlier in the week. Well, this is bigger than that. Heard of Russell Westbrook? Heard of him? Well, I mean... OKC, OKC, Russell Westbrook, that's where I remember him by. When I liked OKC, Durant, Westbrook, Adams, man, how good. Absolutely. Well, at the moment, he's at Washington with Bradley Beal. They couldn't get it done this season. So the Lakers have got their eyes on Russell Westbrook. So it looks like Russell Westbrook is going to be teaming up with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and that superstar team who were knocked out in the first round of the playoffs this year for three players and a first-round draft pick. So that is a massive trade coming out of the States between the Lakers and the Washington uh, side. So huge, huge deal there. Well, that's interesting for me because I'm not sure. I mean, Russell Westbrook is an incredibly talented player. There is no doubt about that. But how do you see, how do you see Westbrook fitting alongside uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis? Because the way I look at Russell Westbrook, he wants to have the ball 80% of the time. That's the way he operates. He wants to dominate the whole time. That has always been his trademark, and coaches have let him do that. 
But you can't imagine him dominating possession with LeBron James and Anthony Davis in the same starting five, can you? Yeah, exactly. You've hit the nail on the head straight away, Smithy. Um, LeBron is a team player, isn't he? He's shown that over the years, whereas Russell Westbrook just looks like he wants to pad his own stats all the time, getting triple-doubles, how many he can get rather than getting championship rings. So, interesting. It looks like the Lakers are just desperate, though, because they bombed. They bombed this year with a superstar team, so they need Russ. One of the reasons I think they've got him, though, here's, here's my theory on this, injury. You know... Injury. They had terrible injury problems with Davis. They had uh, injury problem with uh, LeBron there at one point of view. And at least if they lose one or two or those or both those guys, they're very brittle. Westbrook is still a dominant enough playmaker, which he can uh, perhaps run the Lakers' offense around the court. So uh, we'll just, uh, you know, I reckon it's an interesting trade. It'll certainly make a lot of headlines if it does come to pass. And the fact that they've released all those names to me suggests it absolutely will. Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.57, so uh, very close to Trudy in the news uh, at the top of the hour. Uh, it's multi-time, absolutely multi-time. And uh, John, have you got something there? You nice. Play the intro. The oh, thank you. Know we talked about it. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Absolutely dreadful. That's what I've been. It's 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 past laughable. It's actually barfable. That's how bad I am. I'm one from nine. One from nine and zero oh for four this week. And can you believe what happened to me last night? I got up the handball. That was fine. Dollar thirty-five. Uh, the ROC. They got up to beat Hungary. Men's water polo, watch that game. What a fascinating encounter. They won 12-11. So I was alive. Italy, they beat the USA. And then roll up the eels. Blanked. Absolutely blanked by the Roosters. 28-0 at a buck 57. Favourites to win. So that was gone. Small fish were not sweet last night. Heading into the weekend, I will not give up. I will survive. Who sung that? Gloria Gaynor? I will survive. Uh, right, let's have a look at this. Women's football. Women's football, Sweden to beat Japan tonight, a buck fifty. Sweden are the hottest property in football. Knocked over the USA 3-0, beat us comfortably. They will beat Japan, the host nation, for a dollar fifty. It'll be tough though. Japan at home in front of nobody. Rugby league, the Broncos to beat the Cowboys at a dollar seventy-six. That's uh, an interesting one. A dollar seventy-six. And I'm going outside the square again and I'm going to show the faith to the box, the spring box. I believe they're going to level the series against the Lions this weekend. At two dollars and three cents, and that's a total return of five dollars thirty-five. What do you make of that? What do you make of that, folks? What do you make of that, JD? Outsiders in there. Yeah, oh mate, the NRL. You keep on dipping your toes in there. It's just so tough to pick. You know, Broncos, Cowboys. That makes me nervous. But Smithy, as they say in the business, you do a collect. Surely it's tonight. Do a collect. I'm do a collect. Sam Ackerman on the panel with us this morning. Might get an update from him on the league and the Warriors, except for with Courtney Coyote. Really looking forward to that. Wonderful girl. And, yeah, I'll tell you what you can rely on. The news. You can always rely on the news. Trudy says the grass is purple. I believe the grass is purple. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Who 
1003 on the new team in town, SCNZ. We've got a busy hour coming up, uh, and uh, that includes talking to Louis Herman Watt uh, about uh, some racing issues, and uh, that'll be interesting. We're going to talk to the legendary, and I say that with a lot of confidence, Brendan Popperwell, uh, one of the kings of uh, racing presentation in this country on trackside, and uh, uh, he's uh, going to give us uh, a little bit of insight into what we can have a look at today from the TAB. Uh, we've got a panel. As I mentioned before, Sam Ackerman and Courtney Tairi. So we'll cover certainly some rugby league, but a lot of Olympics uh, when we chat around about uh, 20 past the hour. But right now, I'm absolutely thrilled to be able to uh, get into the show from Tokyo, Dale Stevenson. Uh, Dale is uh, coaching uh, Dame Valerie Adams and, uh, of course, Tom Walsh. Now the athletics start today in Tokyo. And our shot put queen, Dame Val, will be in the circle qualifying tonight. Uh, before hopefully throwing for gold on Sunday. Dale, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, I know it's very early in the morning over there for you, but it's an exciting day because you get to see some of your hard work come to fruition. Morena, yeah, it's a bit like Christmas. Um, finally <laughs> finally here and uh, ready to get things underway today. Okay, so uh, in preparation, uh, how's Dame Val been looking? Yeah, she's she's in great shape, uh, in good spirits, and uh, managed to traverse all of the the various hurdles that we needed to get through to get over here. Um, she's in great shape, certainly for someone with a career as long and illustrious as what Bell's had. Uh, it's unfair to make comparisons across you know Olympic cycles and periods of her life. You know, she was she was a teenager when she came to her first Olympics. So um, now, as, as a mum and um, in a very different chapter. If things look different to what they have in the past, but certainly the, she's still finding a way to, to make the shot go far and um, looking forward to, to seeing that tonight and taking care of business through the qualifying round. Uh, the story's incredible. It simply has two Olympic gold medals, four world championship titles, time, time off to have a family and then come back and find that drive. And as you say, she is throwing nicely, 19.75 metres in Poland earlier this month, which is very encouraging. Yeah, it is. Uh, that was a that was a good tough meet. We we took on a couple of comps over in Europe just to uh, get a little battle hardened before we came into Tokyo. Um, obviously, we can do all the training and uh, pretty unencumbered in New Zealand relative to the rest of the world. But uh, we needed a couple of couple of good tests. Um, had three comps over in Europe earlier this month and, and at the end of June and got what we needed out of those. So we're, we're definitely better for those hitouts. And um, she sent a few shots across the bow of. Uh, of the rest of the, the athletics community that she's not just done yet and ready, not here for a, just to walk a lap and, and wave to the non-existent crowds, but actually here to um, to ruffle a few feathers. So we'll, we'll see how we go. 20 metres is uh, probably a, a goal, I would imagine, and would have to be pretty close to that to secure a gold in, in this competition. Is, is that the feeling? Yeah, I think realistically to, to walk away with gold, um, you're going to have to throw something with a two in front of it and there's there's a handful of girls in the world who are capable of it. Obviously, with the absence of international competition over the last 18 months or, or, or massive international competition, it's sort of been sparse. To get all the girls together in the same same comp at the same time just hasn't been realistic, but we can sort of compare and, and we know that the, a couple of the American girls are capable of that. Uh, obviously, the Chinese girl's done it a few times already this this year, and uh, has a pretty proven track record uh, along with Val. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a, a few unknowns, but we're, we're certainly preparing and expecting that uh, 20 metres is 
is the standard required to take home an Olympic gold, and and um, Val's in the mix to do that. We're talking to Dale Stevenson, folks. Uh, he's the coach uh, of some very high-caliber athletes, uh, Dame Valerie Adams and Tom Walsh, of course. Um, now, ideally tonight, uh, you see uh, athletes uh, try to qualify. One throw, put the tracksuit on and, and come home. Is that uh, the ideal scenario for, for Val tonight? Yeah, that is the ideal scenario. So we know the automatic qualifying distance is 1880. Uh, so if we can if we can nail that on the first round, tracksuit on, mask on, um, back on a bus, back to the village, um, grab a bite to eat and try and get a good night's rest. We've got to, we do have a day off uh, between the qualifying and final, which is unusual. A lot of the time, uh, shot put is either on the same day or, or on consecutive days. So. A um, little bit of a luxury to recover, especially for those two athletes who aren't, uh, aren't at the very start of their career now. You know, Dale's 36 and, and Tom's 29, so uh, to have that little bit of time um, between will be fine just to breathe out and reset. But, yeah, the, the, the aim of the game is to spend the minimum effective dose of energy to get through to the, the final, obviously, without too many pulling too many hairs out. Um, the top 12 get through, and, um, yeah, we, we don't want to take that too easily. Still got a job to take care of, but knowing that that automatic standard is well and truly um, uh, there for the taking, first throw will be ideal. But um, we're not going to freak out over that side of things. As I said, top 12 girls will go through to Sunday morning's final, and um, we're pretty confident that if we look after ourselves and trust the processes that we put in place, that that sounds like a massive cliche, but it, it'll do the job for us today. Hey Dale, uh, look. Coaching is, is a very interesting thing. Sometimes you start with people who are at ground level on the way up and, and other times you grab people when they've already been achievers uh, and they're the highest calibre. Uh, now, your relationship with both, uh, of course, Val and, and of Tom Walsh, of course, uh, how have you gone around coaching you know, people that have, have, have almost been at their peak? How do you find the drive to keep them going and... Uh, how self-motivating are they, or what kind of input do you have in their motivation? I think, realistically, probably the, the lesson for me uh, is, you know, variety is the spice of life, and, and to have Val at the tail end of her career and, and working with her on her campaign, understanding her as a human being and what, what's pushing her buttons, then you can go about trying to complement that and serve that as best we can, um, because her motivations are different to someone like Tom, who's in, in the middle of his career and um, and certainly done some pretty pretty impressive things over the last seven or eight years we've been working together but uh, by no means um, you know looking for the finish line yet and then actually got another young girl here Lauren Bruce and the women's hammer throw who, who I work with and have for a number of years this is her first game in fact it's her first team uh, first New Zealand senior team so uh, having those three campaigns concurrently uh, running certainly gives me a nice nice mix and the, the exuberance and nerves and excitement of, of Lauren at her first games through to Valor where, where it's pretty clinical and, and Tom and I know each other really well. That that variety um, sort of keeps me on my toes and, and, and complements uh, my own motivation now you know, to make sure I'm still excited by getting up and going to training because the, the circle's still the same size, the shot's still the same size and and to be excited about throwing a metal ball is um, is something that's a bit strange when you look at it from afar. But um, it gets me out of bed, and uh, I'm, I'm lucky to work with athletes the calibre uh, of, of Lauren, Tom, and, and Valerie. Uh, listen, Tom uh, is not an action in the circle. 
for perhaps uh, four or five days, in fact, next week anyway. But hey, hey his, his build-up has been, I wouldn't say pure. Uh, he's had a, a fairly mixed season at home, but uh, do you think, uh, are you confident in what you're seeing, that he's, uh, he's on the right track? Yeah, I am. Um, I can I can say on the record that he's in he's in better shape now than he was in, than he has been in any part of his career. Um, his his training distances and performances and, and key training indicators are all uh, higher than what they were before uh, Doha World Champs 2019 when he threw his personal best at 2290. So um, whilst we haven't yet managed to see that line up in competition, um, I think there's some there are some uh, logistical constraints as to, to potentially we're not making excuses as to potentially why that is the case. Um, you know, Tom Tom thrives on competition against the best guys, and and there's been a, a bit of a, a void of that. Um, haven't had a real real chance to be in form and throw against you know the top American guys um, so far yet this year. But uh, I, can, I can tell you he's in shape and ready to go uh, next Tuesday and next Thursday for the final. But um, yeah, look, I understand where you're coming from. We're not we're not going to hide from that. It would be nice to to convert some of this some of this form into into results in competition, but um, we're also not not too um, shy in, in in expressing that. Yeah, he, he is in shape and ready to go, and um, we're we're a little bullish about what what could come up next week. Well, Ryan Krause's mark at the moment uh, is 23. It's enormous. It's 23.37 meters. Of course, yeah. The, every competition is different. We're not to say that he's going to do that. He might have issues himself, and he just might not have a good day. So he's gettable, but he is the yardstick, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's the reigning Olympic champion, world record holder, um, number one thrower in the world at the moment, and and he's earned that tag. You know, he, Ryan's a Ryan's a pretty special athlete, and and uh, Tom and Ryan have had plenty of battles over the years, and. Uh, we know what to expect. There's, there's no hiding for him. He's the, um, he's the Usain Bolt of our event and the man to beat. But uh, yeah, kind of that gives us a bit of a license to, to go at him. And um, certainly we can, we can put a little pressure on him. Um, competing internationally is not the same as competing in your home country. And um, yeah, sometimes Ryan and, and a lot of other throwers get a a bit of a cruisy run um, in their home country meets a sort of set up around them and officiating is perhaps not not what it is on an international stage so um, we know variables are a little different here to, to what they are at a, at a Diamond League or a National Championships or a US Trials or something like that so uh, yeah without without overblowing it um, yeah, we agree with you um, there's no hiding from the fact that Ryan is the man to beat but um, but we're up for the challenge and and uh, we know what we're getting too. That's the other thing. It's, it's not going to come as a surprise if he comes out and throws throws 23 metres. In fact, that's what we're expecting and planning. We've, we've just got to be able to match it and call and raise uh, whatever he lays down. That's cool. 10.14 here on SCNZ. We're talking to Dale Stevenson now. Uh, coverage of, of sport these days is absolutely brilliant. And when they do cover uh, the field events, there's a lot of footage uh, these days shown of the coaches who are uh, just across the athletics track, as close as they can possibly get to uh, the action, uh, but not on the, uh, on the field, of, of course, themselves. Now, uh, let's talk about your role uh, on game day, as we, we'll call it, in the, um, inverted commas. Um, 
in this particular Olympics, are you able to have that close kind of access? There will be no crowd, no atmosphere, so that in itself is going to be different. Will we be able to see Dale Stevenson up close and personal giving uh, on-the-spot advice? Well, hopefully not. It's not about me. <laughs> but uh, I guess the my role on, on comp day uh, is very similar to a caddy, um, you know, to use golfing parlance. And, and when things are going well, your job's pretty easy. You sort of just you make sure the athletes get, get warmed up, get to the call room and, and have their plan and cues and everything lined up ready to go. I suppose one of the virtues of, of having no crowds or minimal crowds here in Tokyo is that uh, athlete access across to to where the coaches are is um, a bit more fluid than what it has been in the past. Sometimes it's a bit of a constraint. But, but that said, all, 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 all three of the, the athletes I'm working with here are, are ready to fly solo um, if needed. Um, but as I said, like like a caddy, you're, you're there for some advice if needed um, and there to, to try and make a little little course corrections. Um, but hopefully they're not needed. And my, my job is to make myself redundant uh, on the day. So I'm quite happy to sit there and, and not be seen or heard or or, uh, or celebrated at all because this is, this is the time when you hand over the reins to the athletes and um, rightly they get their time to shine. Good luck with your three athletes. Uh, Dale Stevenson there. Uh, Val Adams, of course, is uh, in action later today trying to qualify. One throw would be good for Val. Put the tracksuit on and then go back to the village and rest up for the final. Uh, Tom Walsh in action um, early next week, of course. Um, and Dale Stevenson uh, will have them absolutely primed. We thank him very much for his time this morning. It's uh, 16 minutes past the hour of 10 here on SENZ. The panel is up very shortly, uh, and also some texts from you, 8833. The call line is 0800 150 811. It's panel time here uh, on SENZ, and it is 10.22. Uh, I'm very pleased to uh, introduce our panel this morning. Uh, we've got Sam Ackerman with us. Uh, Sam, of course, is a rugby league guru, spent some time with uh, TV3, uh, former news hub as well, and these days uh, a sports broadcaster. Also uh, in that role too is uh, Courtney Tyree, a former Silver Fern Sky Pro Sport presenter, league netball, genuine all-rounder. Uh, first of all, Courtney Tyree, this morning, uh, are you in Vicargo bound this weekend for this uh, preliminary final? Yes, I am, Smithy. Good morning. I'm off to Invercargill tomorrow morning to head down for the elimination final between the Steel and the Tactics. Okay, let's talk about that. Uh, first of all, how do you feel it's going to go? Well, I think this one's going to be tough. The last time they played each other, the Steel won by two points, and the Tactics, they're coming off not a great performance last weekend. Uh, and I think the Steel at home, they call it the Fortress down in ILT Stadium. So I think the Steel at home... Uh, should be able to get the job done. They are the second most accurate shooting side, uh, but in saying that, Tactics have the best defensive record in the league this year. So it's going to be tough, and it's probably going to come down to that end where the Tactics are defending and the Steelers shooting, I think. Well, talk about the Fortress. These tickets, I'm told, sold out in 12 minutes. 12 minutes. They did, 12 minutes, and they're trying, they're trying to still add extra seating as much as they can. Uh, so everyone will be getting down there, no doubt, uh, yeah, sell out, and they're still trying to add more tickets. It will seem like forever, uh, whoever wins this, that the Mystics have played. Is that a disadvantage? 
Yeah, we've been thinking about this quite a lot. Um, I mean, some try to see it as an advantage, but I think you'd rather be playing uh, gaming week in, week out and have an actual proper match. So the Mystics, they've teed up to have a game this weekend against, um, I guess, some other players that won't be playing uh, in the finals and also some of the men. But in saying that, you just it's just it's you can't really replicate and play an actual proper ANZ match. So I see it as a disadvantage, uh, and I'd rather be playing this weekend, I think, and building towards uh, next week to the grand final. Yep, it's the tactics visiting the steel down there in Invercargill. Courtney Taieri will be there, which is uh, fantastic for her. Uh, they'll be great hosts down there. Sam Ackerman, thanks very much for joining us uh, as the other part of the panel this morning. Uh, let's uh, get straight into one of the subjects which is dear to your heart. Rugby league, the Warriors, uh, they've let Lisa Amaog and Roger Tuovasashek come home. Uh, we saw some great shots of uh, the Harker and the tribute to them as they left. Does that mean that we can write the season off? Does it mean they've written the season off? hope Sam uh, can hear us. I hope uh, he's able to get through to us. We'll try and get him back on line, actually. I hate that gap. It's like uh, it's a hollow feeling in my stomach as well as a hollow feeling in your ears. <laughs> I can tell you when something like that happens. Uh, we're going to try oh. and uh, we can perhaps talk to Courtney uh, while we're getting Sam back. You Courtney, uh, you're a league you as can. well as an all-rounder. Uh, I am. Have, have you written them off? Have you written them off? Uh, I hadn't, but now seeing this, I think they, I feel like they must have. If you're going to let your captain go, um, albeit to come home and start his rugby career, and I know well, everything that Roger's done, but I think if you've let, uh, yeah, if you've let Roger go, then that's, it's such a big hole to fill. And I think it is pretty much saying to the team and everyone else, well, and even Lisa going, I think it is sort of saying the season's done and dusted. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. We have got Sam back. Sam, we're just, discussing the fact that the Warriors have let two very high-profile players go, in particular Roger Tuovasa-Shek. Uh, does that mean that, that the hierarchy there have uh, said goodbye or saying goodbye to the season? Um, and uh, does that mean we do too? Yes, sure answer. Um, they, if they haven't, then um, we certainly should be able to read the, the writing on the wall if you watch anything of their... Game against South. This is not a season that's going to um, reap any uh, any benefits. It's not. It's not the way this is going to. Um, this cookie's going to crumble. Unfortunately, they at this, with the release of uh, of Roger and, and Leeson, they couldn't even name a, a full 21 uh, man um, squad for the start of the week. So there are definitely uh, not just injury issues there, but um, Roger Tuivasa-Shek has been intensely committed to the Warriors. He's making a, a choice based on family and course future aspirations as well I'm sure comes into it but uh, I don't begrudge Roger Tuivasa-Shek um, wanting to avoid being um, trapped away from his family any further with the uh, collapse of the bubble so uh, it's, it, I, I completely respect his decision I think it's sad that we don't get to see him get a, a proper on-field uh, official farewell uh, but this season is not one that, they, uh, that he should feel any further commitment to. Sam uh, look at the position on the table We'll bring in the fact of uh, these mitigating factors like, you know, the virus, uh, being away from home all the time. Uh, how big of an excuse can we make for this season? Uh, they, they, we run out of them. Smithy is a short answer. Um, the the performance of the Warriors has had, uh, had had gutsy characteristics, and when the Warriors are putting in but still coming up short, you can wear it. When the Warriors 
get flogged like they did um, last week, then those circumstances definitely uh, they definitely start to play. What it is has been a uh, when you change the coach, you've obviously had three coaches, uh, people in charge of the uh, the team within the past uh, two seasons. Uh, it's a difficult situation for players to be there. Their players. So Nathan Brown has essentially inherited the squad and has been doing his best to make it his squad uh, along the way with the inclusions of names coming in, the players not being uh, kept for next year. Of course, we know uh, we've got the uh, Sean Johnsons coming back. Um, we've seen the, the Matt Lodge, Lodges of this world and the, uh, the Dallin Latini-Lizniaks come in. But this is not a team that has the, the right cohesion now. I think there's a good squad on paper coming and building, uh, but because uh, Brown is obviously looking for his own faith and his own players, this is not a team that's playing with the uh, the right cohesion. There's been too many heartbreakers uh, this season. I, I just think that this one, they just need to work on the elements that they can salvage for next season now. And I hate saying that. I've never been an apologist um, in that way, but I think they need to look at the season as what can they look to take into next one now and make sure they don't get the spoon. Courtney, is that the way you see it as well? Definitely, and I think, like you touched on, Sam, with the Rabbitohs game, when you look at it, you know, when I did Warriors TV with Adam Blair this week, he spoke about their defence, and I think anyone watching could see just the effort and the attitude in their defence wasn't there. There's no line speed. They're just standing flat-footed on their line and letting the Rabbitohs come to them. No one's getting them up off the line. And when you see the team and they're getting, they get fogged by 60 points and you see that they just they don't have the intent there, I guess it makes you go, okay, Everyone sort of written the season off, almost including the players. And, you know, it is a, we have got all the excuses, but at the end of the day, when you tune in, you still want to see that effort and that attitude, which I think they're lacking. And the cohesion as well, you can see on defence, some players are shooting up, some are sitting back, and they, they don't quite have that understanding yet, I think, which does come down to, I guess, more time together and players in and out. So... It's been a tough season, and like you said, they just—I guess—they need to look at it. What can we do in these last rounds to sort of head and take momentum into next season and try to, I guess, look at the positives as much as they can. Sam Ackerman and Courtney Tidy with us. Uh, they are the panel this morning. Uh, we're going to take a, a short break, uh, have a little bit of uh, news update, uh, and uh, of course some sport and some weather as well with Trudy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When we come back, I'm going to stay on the subject of the Warriors. I'm going to ask you a little bit about uh, Reese Walsh. Uh, are you happy with uh, Nathan Brown uh, and the fact that um, Cameron George has said unequivocally that he's their man um, and not even an issue from that point of view? So uh, we're going to talk uh, more league after the news. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I want to go to the, the games as well. There's some, some subjects to talk about with Sam and Courtney very shortly. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me, yeah. 10.33 here on SENZ with Sam Ackerman and Courtney Tyree talking uh, Warriors still. Uh, Sam, yeah, uh, Cameron George uh, was uh, on the show uh, about uh, a week ago, actually it was, 
uh, and he was uh, saying unequivocally, yeah, Nathan is a man, uh, he's going to stay with us, not even a, a talked about issue. Is it that simple for you? Yeah, it is for me. Um, listen, I wasn't necessarily, um, didn't think Nathan Brown was necessarily my number one choice for coach, but I, I completely uh, can never endorse a coach being given one season um, to come in and do his job. Uh, you don't get a chance in a sport like NRL to sculpt the team the way you want it to play and get them into the uh, get the right players for your uh, your brand of, uh, of footy. So I certainly don't think you should go. But I, I also don't think the teams make are taking strides forward. Uh, the way it should, or you'd want it to, at least uh, with the Warriors and the uh, the season to date with them. So I think he's got a lot of work to do um, for next season. And, and Cameron George as well. Uh, you know, we should take into account he's a very passionate man. He's done a lot of great things um, with the Warriors. He's been a wonderful leader. But you know, the, uh, no chief executive worth his um, his salt is allowed to uh, say that. You know, actually, we're thinking about a new coach until you're ready to put the knife in the back. It's, it's one of the unwritten rules. <laughs> of a sport that uh, yeah. he's your man until he's not. So I, I, he also you know, can't give a, anything clearer than uh, that. But he's, he's got to be there for next season, has to, um, but it is a job to um, pull this together and, and have something that resembles a brand of footy that, that, he, that he has ownership of. It doesn't feel if this is his brand of footy so far, if we see this to, um, for next season, then I'd be concerned. Just finally on the league's uh, topic, Courtney, uh, Reese Walsh, we have unearthed. If, there's the, if there has been something, a bright light to look back at for this season, it's Reese Walsh. Now, can we, another year down the track, uh, rely on Reese Walsh to be our playmaker, our golden boy uh, for the Warriors next year? Is that is that a possibility? I think it's a possibility, but I also don't think because he is so young, we should or the Warriors should be putting that pressure on him. And I think Reese is best, but best when he just gets the free flow play that his brand of footy um but and then also he is still he just still does make those mistakes which will come i guess with experience and then also just um on defense because he is quite tiny so it'll be great for him i think to get another preseason under his belt and work with the team a bit longer so i definitely think he will be our go-to man but i just don't think we should expect it of him because in the past the warriors we tend to do that we put all the pressure I guess on one player you've got like Sean Johnson and then we tend to if if they don't live up to those standards of what we put on them then we tend to sort of tear them down so I think um Reece, he will be that go-to person for us but I think we need to let it happen um naturally and just not apply all that pressure especially when he is so young yes he's so well scouted Well, it's that's. I mean, you know, to me, he's gold. But uh, as he can you put someone in cotton wool in rugby league in the NRL? I'm not sure you mm. can. But my goodness, um, he he to me was, has been the shining light. Hey Sam, can we, can we can we go across to to Tokyo now? And obviously, the Olympics are the theme of the, of the moment. Uh, just how good? Just how good are is our rowing program? Yeah, it's been so strong for so long. Um, that's what's what I've been so impressed with. Um, there's been we had that, of course, dominant run where we had the the Drysdales, the Murrays, uh, just absolutely dominating everything. And you would thought after that there would be a potential drop off. And and while we aren't uh, the, the world champions and the Olympic champions of the same dominance that we were in that period, seeing New Zealanders lining up for these uh, finals today, and that, what we've seen so far from them as well has been 
uh, pretty impressive. And I'm, I've got my fingers crossed that we see um, Emma Twig uh, finally walk away from one of these games as a uh, as an Olympic medalist. Uh, of course, everyone wants to see these guys win, but if, if Emma Twig walks away with the medal, I'll, I'll be thoroughly satisfied and, and stoked for her because a couple of fourths over the last... A few Olympics, she's been such a regular dominant force at world champs level. To get one of those, I think, would be absolutely massive. But it's a program that's well-funded, it should be pointed out, uh, and the expectations come with medals, and there's been accusations whether it's been the right environments in the past. Uh, they're happy with how things are going now, and I think this team should be delivering, hopefully be delivering a couple of medals over what should be, what's been described again as that, uh, that golden hour that is uh, almost a, a staple, Smitty, for the uh, New Zealand team at the Olympics with the rowers. Honestly, uh, it's it's like a, a go-to thing for us. It's 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 almost like a given. I, I said this morning, it's a, a bit like death and taxes. It's a certainty that <laughs> their rowers are gonna uh, come good. Uh, Courtney, what's been your highlight so far as you've been looking on in Tokyo? Uh, for me, because I'm with Sky Sport, I've been based down at the Cloud. So if we were in Tokyo, we would have been at NZ House with all the family. So for me. It was watching the rowing with the families because they all come down to the cloud in Auckland. Anyone can come down and all of rowing New Zealand's there. So for me, it's actually getting to be there with the families and some of their kids are in their first Olympics. And then the other day in the rowing, uh, when our women's doubles got the silver medal, when just the feeling there and then to see the families and then they get beamed in from Auckland to Tokyo to talk to their daughters who've just won their first medal. So for me, it's seen, I guess, the success of New Zealand. But personally, getting to be there with the families and interview them after and just seeing, because everyone knows it's just not the athletes out there. It takes a whole village for them to get there. Uh, I think it was Hannah Osborne's stepmom said, do you know how many cheese rolls it's taken since, you know, the last 10 years to get her to the Olympics? So hearing those stories and knowing that, how proud our athletes are making, not just their families, but everyone in New Zealand. That has to be the biggest highlight for me. Yeah, there's been some wonderful stories, uh, particularly from our rowers. And in the next uh, two hours, we may get plenty more. Courtney Tyree and Joy Invercargill, Sam Ackerman as well, thank you so much for your time this morning. That, folks, was the panel, and very informed they were indeed. It's 10.40 here on SCNZ. Uh, we want to, uh, your texts. We've got just one coming through now actually says lol lol uh laugh out loud warriors won't get won't get the wooden spoon this year lol goodness me okay so there are some pessimists out there um but what are your thoughts text us 8833 such an easy number to remember uh, as is the phone number 0800 150 811 it's etched in my brain make it in yours as well and use it Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 10.45 here on the new team in town, SCNZ. Uh, thanks very much for being part of our team as well. You're texting in, it's great. Uh, interesting, yeah, I, I, the Warriors getting the wooden spoon. I kind of feel that uh, the Bulldogs are, even with all the help they're, they're getting and they're going to get in the future. They're the ones that's, uh, with a lot more problems, I would think, because of their proud history in the game, and it's certainly not there now. A uh, bit weak on the Warriors. Uh, please text uh, when you text in. Uh, give us your name so I can talk to you personally. A uh, bit weak on the Warriors, guys. It's uh, it's us fans that suffer and also their long-suffering sponsors. The Aussie media have been very harsh on them over RTS's release, yet our Kiwi media appear to accept mediocrity. Is it a truly professional outfit? 
Phil, I would love to get your name to that because uh, honestly, it's a very, very valid opinion and you sound like uh, you are quite deep-seated into the Warriors and have been for quite some time. Uh, that's a good subject, folks. Uh, have they given up? Uh, should they give up? Is that a sign? Uh, also on the Olympic side of things, how many medals are we going to get today? One, two or three. Easy text. One, two or three. Who's going to get them? What colour are they going to be? Uh, John, madness, I think, coming out of uh, South Africa, uh, we're hearing. Uh, I've dealt with Rassi Erasmus uh, as the Springbok coach when he was the, the hands-on coach. I, I found him to be a thoroughly good bloke, uh, a genuine guy, a, a wonderful Springbok. Man, what a footballer he was. Uh, but he has he gone slightly nuts? Has he been hit on the head with something? Yeah. What's this he's gone into? Um, an hour-long rant about one refereeing performance? Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? I'm like you, Smithy. Massive admiration for Rassi Erasmus, and especially what he did in 2019 with that Springboks team winning that World Cup. But he, he's lost the plot. Like oh, He's posted a one-hour-long rant um, about one game, like you say, about the refereeing decisions uh, last 62 minutes. There's 26 video clips in this where he highlights, draws little circles around things and, and talks about Nick Berry's performance. Uh, so he's lining up World Rugby's head of referees. He's lining up Joe Schmidt, who's the director of rugby uh, at World Rugby. Uh, and, it's, and now he's saying he wants to quit his role that he has. I think he's the director of rugby for the Springboks. Um, he wants to quit for the last two test matches because he's had enough. Um, and this comes after... He allegedly created a fake Twitter account, Smithy, by the name of Yako Johan, posting these videos of refereeing decisions. So the guy has absolutely lost it. Could you imagine Steve Hansen or Ian Foster doing anything like this? I don't know what's happened to Russi. No, they make little sarky comments immediately after the game, you know. That, uh, you know, it, like uh, we lost the turnovers, uh, I thought, quite badly against Fiji. Um, and... I asked Ian Foster live on television about that fact that they were perhaps were, were beaten up a wee bit there. He said basically he, he intimated it in one very short answer uh, along the lines of uh, that the way that you saw it. Okay, that's interesting sort of thing. Um, and what he was basically saying is it wasn't refereed very well in his, and they weren't getting a fair crack at it in New Zealand. Uh, but he didn't dwell on it, not to the extent that he was going to use an hour of his time. Probably, I would say, <laughs> a lot longer than that. And how deeply into your head is it that you're going to go to that level? And then, of course, he's a water boy. Uh, so that, that in itself is quite strange. I mean, Warren Gatlin said, really? Really? A water boy um, uh, as a coach? Having said that, um, I kind of recall Andy Farrell being a water boy at times uh, when he was part of the uh, Warren Gatlin's lineup over here. Uh, it's important, I think, to have uh, a really good coaching staff member on the sideline because that gives you access to the bench uh, in terms of getting your messages through, but also in terms of you're on the field tactics. And, hey, it's just a ploy. So I actually don't see that to be so much of an issue. But when your water boy uh, becomes uh, dedicated to, to the extent that he's going to have a real old go at, at the rugby referees, um, I, I kind of find it weird, very, very weird. Also, Smithy, who is Izzy or BMAC's best courier? Your ads keep getting... Uh, teased, but doesn't answer the question. I'm guessing New Zealand couriers. Oh, they get so many things given to them, those boys. Teachers, pets. Uh, you know, it's, it's like they are hand-fed by our boss, Craig Hutchison. Uh, it's quite clear that we are way, way back in the pecking order, John. I'm a little bit dismayed about the whole gig, to be fair, in that regard. They, they just seem to get little gifts, little treats all the time. Uh, and, to be, uh, uh, and to be honest, 
I, I look at it this way. At 9 o'clock in the morning, uh, I, the cryptic crossword team take over, okay? Uh, and at 9 o'clock, the ones that follow the, the one from 6 to 9, they hand their crayons back in. That's about it's the way I, I view the matter. It's mind over matter, and there ain't too much matter or mind uh, in that outfit. It's 10.30, and it's news time. I've just vented my spleen, and I feel good for it. Here's you've, the news. You've gone back in time, Smithy. It's 10 minutes to 11, and Louis Herman Watt is up next. So oh, old chucks to the ads here. <laughs> no, hold the phone here. Hold the phone. It is too. It's 10.51. I'm looking at the clock. That's how, that's how off. But, oh, God, I need a break. You're in safe hands. It's mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The Love Racing Update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. <laughs> yeah, I can hear the horse galloping down the stairs and uh, into the studio very shortly. Louis Herman Watt, uh, my apologies, folks. The time is 10.56, officially 10.56. Uh, one of the reasons why I get the time wrong from time to time is I'm senile. Uh, the other is I haven't got a proper clock in the studio. So, And the other thing is that the breakfast guys get in my head every now and then with their perks and we get absolutely nothing. One of which, the captain of which, is with us now, uh, courtesy of loveracing.nz. Uh, one of the things I've noticed, uh, uh, Louis, that's come through in the news, Lee Thinnis is going to persevere. That old... The old codger from uh, up there at Clark's Beach, he's going to continue riding and he's keen about it? What's there? What's going on? Leith, who's about seven foot tall and he has to waste like an absolute animal to get down to weight each week. It's a tough life for those bigger jockeys, but tell you what, Smithy, that is a really good thing because the senior jockey riding ranks, well, they're not as deep as they have been. And for punters, you need to know you can back someone with confidence. And Leith is one of those jockeys. Tell you another one of those jockeys who didn't join us because she was d- busy at track work this morning. Hazel Schofer. And she said her best of the weekend mm. is year boy race five at Otaki. And that goes up against Katza Charmer. Alan Sharrick has got a great team in. She's on Butler, a $1.90 favourite in the next race after that. So the fact that she's saying year boy looks like the best of her weekend... That's in the courtesy Ford Rider Stakes, a $50,000 two-year-old set weights race over 1200 That is promising. Hey, Louis, Apprentice of the Year, did I read? Hazel Schofer? Yeah, about... Or female Apprentice. No, no, she's, she's, she's ahead of Kozi Asano. I think she's ridden about 75 winners off the top of my head. So she's had a hell of a year striking at about six and a half. She's, just, she's had lots of good rides for Alan, and she's just figured it out. She's going fantastic. This is Mornings with Ian Smith. That was a heck of a hole in the dunk yourselves. How did you get out of it? Yeah, it was part of the plan, obviously. Now, nah, there's, look, there's not enough hand sanitizer in the whole of Japan to clean that act up. That was just absolutely terrible beginning, but there's nothing like your captain looking at you in the eye and telling you to clean your act up that makes you change that quick smart. So, one thing we got to work on was. Uh, winning and like sounds easy I go win but it takes a lot of mentality and it takes team prep and culture that we've been working on for years bro so sorry about that one 11.03 here on SENZ that was the answer by Ruby Tui to a question by Ricky Swinnell uh, also uh, joining us now Tony Johnson from Japan thanks very much TJ for joining us that's a, a real Sky Sport trifecta there of course Ruby Tui has been used uh, as a pundit 
on Sky. First of all, TJ, uh, thanks very much for your time. I know it's uh, still relatively early over there in Tokyo, and you've been seriously busy, man. How many games of, of uh, sevens have you called so far? Uh, I think about 45 over the last four. I'm not sure. I think I know it was uh, <laughs> 24 over the first two days and then uh, got a bit of backup from the, the Irish commentator, Ryan Nugent, joined us. And so that sort of shared it around on, on day three. Um, so I think it's, oh, mate, 45, something like that. Yeah. Don't worry, mate, I've got the Manuka honey lozenges here that uh, they can keep the voice Hopefully in good nick. <laughs> Tony, uh, look, Tony Johnson, folks, of course, uh, of, of Sky Sport. But uh, honestly, he's been, um, I will say the word veteran, because he's been to so many world events uh, in terms of rugby, uh, even as far back as when he was a radio journalist as well. He knows exactly what goes on at all these things. But, Tony, this Olympics is slightly different. It's a virus-driven Olympics or a virus-threatened Olympics. From a broadcasting point of view, what are, what are you noticing that is different? Well, first of all, I, I think the Japanese have done an amazing job. I mean, I, I was thinking this morning as I went through the security, it is the smoothest running I've ever known, and that includes the fact that you have to have your temperature taken as you go in, you have to sanitise your hands, but the, the mag and bag, they call it, you know, where you've got to put your bag on the conveyor, all that sort of stuff that, you know, usually gets people grumpy. It, it's, it's just clockwork here. Um, yes, there have been some issues um, in, in the village, but they've been able to contain them. I think the fact that this has not turned out to be uh, so far touched with the super spreader event that many people um, feared, I think says so much uh, for, for the way that, despite the opposition in the country, um, that the Japanese people have gone about it. Um, and, and look, I, I feel pretty safe with the systems. But yeah, it's weird not having the crowds. It's a shame because, just from my perspective working at the sevens i thought the men's tournament is as good as i've ever been to in terms of the competition the drama the twists of fate all that sort of thing the spectacular action and the great story of course of fiji winning again it's just a shame there weren't people there to enjoy it but it is what it is and the, and the funny thing is and i know smithy if i'd listened to the sort of the breathless reporters on the tv networks before the games i wouldn't have even bothered turning up but i'm glad i have once the sport starts, I think all those other things tend to go out the window, at least for the duration of the of the contest. Yeah, TJ, great sentiments, uh, and I, I I really echo them. And I'm I'm here sitting in Havelock North, quite safe and sound, and uh, but appreciating the work that's going on. And really, I'm getting into the sport as well. And I did fear for them. I have no doubt now that they're going to go the distance uh, because of the fine work of the people over there in Japan. Uh, let's get to the drama of that final between Fiji and New Zealand. You called it. Uh, there was uh, uh, so much emotion, so many tears. I got the feeling when I saw the Fijians uh, and the anthem that we're probably 7-0 down before the whistle started. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair, Smithy. Um, they, they were driven, and they do seem... And I think it comes down to their captain, Jerry Tudwa. He is an amazing, not just a, an amazing rugby player, an amazing person. He's the only survivor. You know, the teams have come here with four, five, six, seven survivors of the last Olympic campaign. He's the only bloke. And yet it looked like it was the same guys. They were, they were so good, but they, they seem to be able to channel... That, that pressure and expectation because you know that Fiji is just basically collectively on the edge of its seats, um, desperate for them to win, and yet somehow they managed to, to, to ride it out. Um, I, I thought New Zealand did well. They made a real go of it. Scott Curry, it's the best I've ever seen him play. He was a fantastic captain. But in the end, I, you know, who's to deny Fiji their success? I think you'd be pretty mean-spirited 
to begrudge them that success. I think New Zealand, I, I don't buy this argument that they haven't atoned for what happened in Rio. To me, they have. They've got a medal. It's a silver medal. In the end, you know, you can't deny Fiji were the best team. I think our guys did good well to get a silver medal. And, you know, hopefully the gold might come in the women's. I, I, I don't know. But, but uh, I, I think, you know, to, to me, I don't, I don't feel uh, any sense of disappointment that New Zealand didn't win that gold medal. And you've got to feel great for Fiji. Yeah, I do. I do feel great. I felt great after their 15s performance. I felt even better after that. Now, you talked about uh, the women's performance and the possibility of the gold medal. 21-0 down at one point yesterday to Great Britain. The gold medal was looking a long way away, but man, do they show some character, and, and I think that that's a steely enough performance to say gold is on the horizon. Yeah, uh, look, um, I thought they were in trouble. Um, you know, usually you see a game like that, a team gets away to a good start, you think, oh, there's plenty of time, but I thought what, a couple of players, I thought, just froze on it a little bit. Uh, there were a couple of mistakes, handling errors, that I, I just, I think, um, some of the players might have had it in their mind that things were going to pan out a certain way, and it didn't happen. Uh, and it really took, I, I thought, three three players in particular, to me, stood out. Firstly, the captain, Sarah Hedini, because she, she does so much of the hard work, and, and she kind of got things going forward. Uh, Tyler Nathan Wong, um, and, and then, of course, um, Michaela Blyde, and you could see the fire in her eyes as she crossed for that mm-hmm. third try. It was, it was a brilliant recovery, and... In a way, you know, you'd hope that, okay, that's the warning, the dud performance out of the way. That's the one where suddenly the reality of we're not training here anymore. This isn't the Oceania Sevens where it doesn't really matter if you win. This is the Olympics. And I think the reality, you know, probably hit a couple of players pretty hard. And hopefully they've got that out of the way now. Um, Look, I still see them as favourites of the gold medal. Australia looked amazing yesterday, but we're hearing all sorts of stories about what's been going on. I won't repeat any of them, Smithy, because they may not be true. They may be exaggerated, but I suspect some of them are true. But we're hearing some, some pretty amazing stories about what's been going on in the Aussie Sevens camp. Uh, and, and to me, um, you know, they play USA Today. The USA will try and belt them up, and, and, and that'll be the test of character. Um, because they've been the best-looking uh, team so far, but whether they can continue that, that's, that's the big story. And that's going to have a huge effect on the draw as well. Well, if the Aussies don't get a medal, I imagine uh, some of that stuff will come out, Tony. I, I look forward to, to that, possibly, because uh, I, like <laughs> of, I like a bit of that seedy uh, stuff, it's fair to say. Tony, yeah, I love that. Hey, Tony, you've called, as you say, you know, 45 games. Uh, my observation, and I could be completely and utterly wrong here, and it might be done for the right reason, is it being over-refereed? There seems to be a lot of whistle. We complain about it in the 15s, but... I did a, I studied a game the other day, and I think there were 11 penalties and 14 minutes of action. You transfer that across to an 80-minute game, that's a lot of penalties in comparison. Yeah, look, I don't mind a lot of penalties if the message gets through. I, I think, and I know that, um, you know, there's some sensitivity around the refereeing circles about this, but I, I do think just little things like... Um, you know, where's the mark for the kick? Um, and, and I've seen cases where players, I think, have taken quite a legitimate kick and, and got away with it um, and not got a, you know, sorry, have been called back. Uh, it, it's sort of looked a bit pedantic at times. I think what what's bothering us is the uh, inconsistency at the breakdown where some players are going in, they're putting their hands on the ground or their elbows on the ground and they're being allowed to get away with it. Others aren't. 
Uh, you know, yesterday, there was an open and shut case for a red card against the Russian captain, uh, Tiron, when she, she yanked the hair of another player. Now, that is a red card and, and, and a suspension. And yet she wasn't cited, and she was only yellow carded. And I think they were too scared to make that big call, red card someone at the Olympics. So I, I don't think the players are necessarily getting the right message from that. Uh, look, hopefully there's time for it to get better over the next day and a half. It, it has been a bit of a bugbear, for sure. Uh, you don't necessarily get all of the best referees for something like this. Um, I have to say, I thought Salika Winiata has, has looked really good, um, but some of them have been here. Yeah, it, it, the con- inconsistency, more than the frequency of the whistle, has been the issue for me. Uh, but there's been some good performances there as well, mate. So we stay on refereeing, Tony? I'm sure that uh, you're just not uh, insular in terms of the Olympics over there, and you've been following... Uh, other stories on the internet. The bizarre one of Rossi Erasmus. Now, my dealings with Rossi Erasmus, uh, sideline and uh, with him as coach, have always been very pleasant. Uh, he's been mild-mannered. Um, you know, we know uh, looking at him in the coach's box, he can get a wee bit excited from time to time. But there's a lot of coaches in that bracket. But not many coaches and not many former coaches would go to the extent that he's gone uh, overnight, basically, in South Africa. What have you made of this video, hour-long video, about a refereeing performance? Well, that, that's unprecedented. It's extraordinary. And I think it's going to land him in trouble, and I think it's calculated. Rassi is, uh, he, he is a master schemer. He's, he's a bit of a manipulator. And, and look, this is a Lions tour. Uh, we saw it in New Zealand four years ago, uh, you know, Gaddy got up to it, you know, when he started accusing the All Blacks of diving through and taking the feet out of Connor Murray. It was, it was a nonsense, really, but it was all designed. With, it had a purpose in mind, and in the end, uh, it succeeded when they scored a try after a pretty blatant obstruction in Wellington. Um, you know, that sort of, you know, it, it, it's all calculated, but this is just, to me, this is beyond the pale, what he's done here. He's going to get himself into trouble, and it's almost as if, what are you doing here, Rusty? Are you prepared to fall on your sword? Is this the the justice for Bucky's moment of this tour. Remember that, uh, the last time they were in South Africa, Bucky's bought it, cleaned out Adam Jones. He was sent off or suspended, I think it was. And, the, you know, they all used it as a, a sort of a rallying point. I think this is exactly what he's got in mind. He's trying to rally his team ahead of the second test. To me, it's unconscionable what he's done. He's, he's put ridiculous amount of pressure on, on Ben O'Keefe, the referee. Wouldn't want to be in his shoes. Um, he, he's going to get hit with something. But I think he's done it. Uh, in a quite calculated manner to try and fire things up ahead of a test that South Africa need to win. As I say, it's a Lions tour, and, and it's nothing that we haven't... Uh, well, it, you know, the tone of it something we've seen before, but not to this extent. It, it's unprecedented. On the field, uh, TJ, the Lions got up in the first test match. Uh, are you expecting... Of course, they're all being played in Cape Town. There's no high felt to worry about. There's no uh, Bloemfontein. There's no Johannesburg, no... Uh, those stadiums are out of the frame here, so that works in favour, to me, clearly, uh, of the Lions. But uh, do you expect uh, a repercussion here on the field from the Springboks and a better performance? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know. I just think they've gone a bit too much one way with their selection. They've just gone for size and power. And, of course, they're up against... I, I, you know, Gatlin, no-one has coached uh, the Lions more successfully than him now. Um and, and so, you know, he'll be, they'll be ready for it. Um, you know, the Springboks will be desperate. 
Uh, they just have to watch that in their desperation and with the emotion on high, uh, particularly in the light of what Erasmus has done, that someone doesn't do something stupid because if they do something stupid, it'll cost them the series. Um, and, and, and look, I wouldn't be surprised if the Lions went 2-0 up here. Um, but then having said that, uh, you know, we know South Africa, we know that the, the mentality that they develop in situations like that makes for a fascinating contest. And just uh, um, and, and, uh, hopefully, um, I, I'll still be here. I'm just going to be able to find somewhere to watch it. <laughs> TJ, as always, mate, thank you so much for your very knowledgeable input. Uh, keep taking those beautiful uh, honey lozenges, mate, because uh, your work is only half done. And then I believe that he's going on to the surfing as well, folks. Uh, and I look forward to hearing Tony Johnson on surfing. Uh, look, 88.33 is your text number. 0800 is the uh, 1508.11 is our phone number. Uh, use both those methods uh, uh, trying to get hold of us, folks. We've had uh, some texts roll in here. G'day, Smithy, read the Warriors. Cameron George has got two CEO roles. Either give the Warriors 100% or give racing 100%. You cannot possibly do both properly. Mark, uh, yeah, I think valid thoughts. Hang on, uh, Smithy, it'll be single malt for you on Sunday. Before you know it, that's over the fact that I can no longer tell the time. Thanks, Jim from Tamuka. Uh, and also, hey, Smithy, you're a bit harsh on the Bulldogs getting the wooden spoon. They only need one more win to jump past the Broncos. I only know one, one Bulldogs fan. Um, <coughs> spends a lot of time out in the sun and then a lot of time in the bar. Uh, Dave, thanks very much for your text there. I might even uh, perhaps catch you later if it's the same Dave that I think it is, just by the by. 11.17 here on SENZ. Voice of sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.23 here on SENZ. Yeah, if you call that number, 0800 you will be in a draw for quarter of the month uh, and you will win an all-black experience. We won't be sending you to Perth. We might be if that goes ahead, but at this stage, uh, it's all up in the air. So we're just saying we're going to give you an all-blacks experience. It'll be a beauty. Thanks, Ballpark Entertainment, for that. Thanks also for Cliff calling in from Dunedin. Uh, Cliff, uh, it's very busy Olympic time, but you've got rugby on your mind. Cliff is uh, no longer there. He's, he's dropped off. See if we can get hold of Cliff again. I think he was... Uh, Wanting to talk about uh, what's happening in South Africa. He's back here. Cliff, yeah, good morning to you again. Yeah, morning, Smitty. Yeah. Now, yeah, um, what's, what's, yeah, I'm here, mate. I'm here, Cliff. What, what, uh, you want to talk about the Lions and the Springboks, I understand. Uh, I, I got a sneaky suspicion that the Springboks might uh, win this one and level a series this weekend. What's your take on it? Well, they have to play smarter than they did last week. I thought that box kicked too much. Can't kick the ball away. You're not going to win games by pressuring a, a good side that's well marshaled and well captained. And they've got the smarts, the Lions, and they've got to play a lot smarter than the box if they're going to put pressure on their, on them to uh, to break them down. Because kicking the ball doesn't work anymore. You know, so if you're playing somebody in the wet, and maybe they're a lot lower ranked than you. You can you can put some pressure on some of their fragile players, but you know, doing that isn't going to work. I I don't know if the box have got the the depth through their side. 
you know, I look at their team and I think, where's, where's their star players? Where, where's someone that's going to really open the game up or do something magic? Do you think they've got those guys in that side? What about uh, Colby, Cheslin Colby? He's probably the quickest. I mean, if they could give him an overlap, they won't see him for dust, will they? They've, they've just got to, as you say, they've got to be a little bit more inventive. Surely they will be. Well, you don't want him to get carried away with this talk of you know, Ratchet Erasmus. You know, he was a guy I thought was one of the greatest players that played in the last probably 30 years for the South Africans. He had the had a bit gone for him, but coming out there criticising the, the refereeing and, and that and saying that they, you know, we didn't do that when we went there in 76. You know, when it doesn't get you anywhere, does it? it? It either they start trying to think that they might favour you or, or, they, or they won't. But, uh, yeah, no, they've just got to go out there and play some good, good structured rugby. You know, keep the ball, take it up and drive, commit guys in and then get some, get some overlaps going. Don't, don't kick it away. Yeah, I'm totally in agreement with you, Cliff. I, I, I've got high regard for Warren Gatlin, and I think that he will readjust things as well. He'll know exactly what the Springboks are going to throw at them. Uh, Cliff from Dunedin uh, with his thoughts there on the Springboks. If you've got some on that uh, subject, uh, let us know. Uh, 8833, the text number, or 0800 150 is our phone number. I've got a, a text from an Uber driver. You are an Uber driver's dream. Uh, hi SNZ. You are fantastic. Sports talk all day and very very privileged and pleased to be able to do that for you uh, Mark. So uh, let's hope you drive safely and continue uh, listening to us. Uh, JD, there's uh, plenty on at the weekend as well for, for uh, SNZ of course. We've got Breakfast with the Kiwis. Uh, that's uh, a program that links into Australia as well. That's 6.30 in the morning with Butch Castles. 7 o'clock, uh, Phil Tautarangi is here with Tee It Up, and he'll be looking, at, I'm sure, at the Ryan Fox's performance, teeing off uh, very shortly again for round two, uh, one under, uh, seven shots off the pace. So, yeah, Phil, tomorrow morning, he'll have other issues to talk about. 8 o'clock's a good show. Uh, half of it is, anyway. Michael Guerin is there with Louis Herman Watt uh, in the mail run between 8 and 10. And uh, then 10 o'clock, Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott, he of famous six at Eden Park fame and Daniel McCarty of just an all-round good bloke and very famous in his own right. Uh, at one o'clock in the afternoon, Mark Clayton, he, he may well have some thoughts on the Warriors CEO, uh, Tana Walters, and uh, their special guest tomorrow afternoon as they take you through the afternoon, focusing very, very mainly on New Zealand racing, uh, is the legend that starts it off in the morning at 6.30, Butcher Castles, the new look, slim line, Butch Castles. Uh, JD, um, I don't know. Uh, we've got uh, these uh, Olympics coming up. Not far away now. I'm getting really excited. Uh, it's basically half an hour till Emma Twig, the women's eight, the men's eight. Uh, other action throughout the day, Lewis Clairbert, uh, the 200 uh, individual medley final. Uh, even if he doesn't have a medal, he's, th he's had a great Olympics. What Lewis a game for Lewis. Absolutely. Um, we tried to catch up with Gary Hollywood, his coach. Um, I'm sure we'll try and do that again on Monday because I'm just really interested to see just how have they got Lewis Clearbert, this 22-year-old from Wellington, into two finals of what I think is the coolest swimming event. I mean, if you do all four strokes, you're the man, aren't you? And Lewis Clearbert clearly is. Seventh in the 400 metres individual medley, which apparently is his preferred event. Um, so to just make the final of the 200 metres individual medley at 2.16 this afternoon 
that is awesome. And and he has really come onto the radar. When I saw the swim team announced initially, I was like, oh god, who are, who are these people? You know, have we have we run out of swimmers in New Zealand? Well, clearly we haven't because Lewis Clearbert is an absolute star and one for the future. Remember the next game, Smith, you're only three years away. So he could be a real prospect in France. In Paris, yes, three years away in Paris, uh, 2024. Uh, after that, it's 2.30, Blackburn Sevens. Uh, they play Rock ROC. That's the Russian Olympic Committee. That's a, a story in itself, isn't it? Uh, and also we've got uh, Peter Burling and Blair Chook racing in the 49er class. Paul Snow Hanson, Sam Wilcox uh, racing as well. Other yachties throughout the afternoon. The Meachers, Alex Maloney. Uh, I, I kind of figure that there's been a little bit of a low-key uh, performance so far from our sailors. David Nika uh, at 4.54 in the boxing quarterfinal against the unpronounceable Belarusian uh, as well. So uh, that's all coming up later this afternoon as we head into um, another fascinating day. And let's hope it's a golden day for us. Uh, I've got a message here, a text message for Trudy, actually. Uh, Jim from Tamuka has uh, texted in. Trudy says... I've got an axe. This is pertaining to the story that you read <laughs> at 11 o'clock. I have an axe. Uh, just uh, what finger do I need to get, get, get gone to get the acting job? <laughs> oh, my God, what a story that is. Uh, it's 11.30, Trudy. <laughs> uh, we need stump by Smithy callers as well uh, as we head towards the news. 0800 150 811. Uh, there's a chance for you to win 50 bucks worth of vouchers from the TAB. All you have to do is be brighter and wiser on the subject that you choose than me. And at the moment, that's got to be pretty easy. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Here we are, Smithy, into the last half hour of week number two here on SENZ, and it is Stumped by Smithy. We have got Ryan on the phone from Christchurch. G'day, Ryan. Hey, young boys, you all right? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm really good. Uh, you know how it works. You get three sports, choose one, then get three questions right, and you will win a $50 voucher from the TAB, but get one wrong. Smithy's got his gloves ready. He's been stumping a few people this week, so we'll see how he goes today. Your three sports will be cricket, netball, and Olympics. Oh, I'd like to go cricket, but I think if I get it wrong, Smithy will know it, so I'll go Olympics. Olympics, I like it. Tis the season, isn't it? So let's get into it. Uh, Olympics, let's go. All right, Ryan from Christchurch. Very topical person this week, actually. American gymnast Simone Biles took the Rio 2016 Games by storm. How many medals did she win? Five. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Five medals, you're exactly right. Do you know what colour they were? Gold. Four gold and one bronze, and everyone was picking maybe six this time that she would get, but no, she'll just get one silver, I think, from the teams. Smithy, how would you have gone from that one? Four, uh, but I, I did read, uh, shows my uh, recollection of being able to restore things these days. I, I did read that figure because uh, she's been in such uh, a big news item uh, in the last couple of days. But yeah, I think you're right, too, only one silver this time round, John. Question yep. two. 
Absolutely. Question number two, Ryan from Christchurch. At the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta, American runner Michael Johnson became the first athlete to complete the double in which two events? Uh, 200, 400. Oh, mate. There he goes, all the way, up into the stand, one ahead in the first tier. That's hitting a cricket ball. You have crushed that. Did you watch that live back in the day? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, probably. I would have been 18, so yeah, probably. Yeah, nice. Who could forget Michael Johnson, Smithy? One of the greats. Yeah, uh, he was a great runner, uh, absolutely, and he had a very unique, fast-bustling style that no one should sort of compete with. So, yeah, very good, Ryan. Now, question three is generally the one that people slip up on, so good luck, Bill. Exactly. You know, you build up their confidence, they come charging out of the crease, and then they miss. So, will he miss? Ryan, which rower achieved the incredible feat of winning five gold medals in five consecutive Olympic Games. Just Stephen Redgrave. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Mate, you have absolutely cleaned up there. $50 from the TAB coming your way. Stay on the line. I just... Uh, that's unreal. That is great knowledge. So quick off the top of the dome. Uh, you didn't go on the internet. Uh, there's, uh, there's been accusations that some people have been Googling the answers, but you were so quick with that, Ryan. Well done, mate. Cheers, boy. Thank you. Anytime, anytime. Smithy, mate, didn't even get a look in. No, no, quite happy. I'm quite happy to lose the odd one. Uh, and Ryan from Christchurch, uh, well done. I hope you invest wisely over the weekend. Um, so that was uh, an, another week of it. I think probably overall I, I came second in that one as well as my... Uh, my multi is going absolutely brilliantly. Another text coming in, uh, John, 88.33. Your show is more in-depth. I like this one. Your show is more in-depth and analytical, like test cricket, as opposed to the morning shock jocks who are just like 2020 cricket. Hit and miss. <laughs> unfortunately, Jordan, unfortunately, Jordan, uh, the T20 guys get a lot more money, and that seems to be part of the course for the show as well. So we'll just move on to that. Uh, another subject. Coming up uh, before midday, I'm really thrilled that we're going to be talking to Juliet Drysdale. Some of you will remember her as Juliet Haig, uh, an Olympic bronze medalist in her own right. Uh, and, of course, we're only a matter of uh, 45 minutes away, 46 minutes away, I think, from uh, Emma Twig lining up to try and make it yet another golden performance in the water for us. The eights, women's eights, and, and the men's eight as well uh, will be competing as well, and that's in the next uh, hour or so. So special time, so... Juliet Haig uh, is coming up for us shortly. Behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Kiwis look so cool, so calm and relaxed under pressure from the Russians to their left, under pressure from the Canadians to their right. Britain trying to get back on the Canadians for the bronze medal, but I think it's too late, too little, too late. Kiwis, yeah, they edge on imperiously out to this gold medal. What a performance from the two women. Up to the line then is Prendergast and Gala, the world champions who now have the Olympic gold medal too. First Olympic gold in the women's pair. Ah, oh, what a beautiful thing it was to witness uh, yesterday afternoon uh, as we picked up uh, that gold medal. And to be fair, I think both those girls, uh, Grace Prendergast and Kerry Gala, were completely and utterly in control the whole time and they paced it absolutely beautifully. I would imagine that our next guest uh, would have enjoyed that, witnessing that, because uh, she can relate to it. Juliet Drysdale, of course, a bronze medalist back in 2012. 
with Rebecca Scown and the women's pair. That was at the Eton Dorney course just uh, outside of London. Uh, back in those days, uh, Juliet Drysdale uh, rode under her maiden name, Juliet Haig, but uh, married now to, to Mahi. We're going to have to send a gift voucher or a gift pack down to the Drysdale household. We've used them that often in the last couple of weeks. But rowing has been the flavour. And Juliet, uh, thanks very much uh, for joining us this morning. As we go very close to uh, perhaps another golden afternoon, uh, what about that row yesterday? You must have been very, very pleased. Oh, yeah. Look, it was so, so exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, we knew they were capable of it, and I think it was just fantastic to see them do it. And um, like you say, that was so well-paced. Um, you know, it kept us on the edge of our seats, but, you know, to see them there at the end um, sort of push across the line, oh, it was just fantastic. Can I take you back to when you first started rowing? What, what got you into it as a young lady? Well, I didn't know much about rowing, but lots of my friends had older brothers and sisters who had rowed, so I was um, dragged along with them. Um, and, you know, I was not good. I was um, <laughs> the person that was catching 20 crabs in the first row, so I wasn't too sure about it, but I soon got into it, and um, I absolutely loved it. And to be honest, all the way through, um, it was the people for me. I just met such amazing people and such amazing friendships, but obviously just a huge fan of the sport. <laughs> You sound, you know, so upbeat about the whole thing, but there must have been times because it's such a, a physically and mentally draining sport, particularly when you're at the highest level. Uh, was there ever a time that you thought, oh, it's got to be something else I can be doing here? Oh, well, I think, yeah, I mean, with rowing, I mean, we see it, don't we? There are the highs and the lows, and they're very high and very low, you know, um, what can happen. And obviously, as a sport, what you put into it, I think, um, you know, the, the hours and hours that go into the training are what make the results so special. But um, for me, you know, there wasn't a time when I wanted to sort of throw away it away. I did have a year away um, after the Beijing Olympics when we finished um, sixth. But, um, yeah, I think to me it's just it's such a, an incredible sport. It's so rewarding. Um, yeah, like I said, the people. Um, and I think, yeah, for me personally, I just I just wanted to keep going until I could finally get a medal and it took me three Olympic Games to do that um, and um, it was a long time coming but so that was yeah really special. They looked to be slightly yesterday uh, Kerry and Grace looked to be slightly going off track at one point uh, and I often wonder to myself with the physical exertion that goes into it uh, how do you keep the boat on track? Yeah look I saw they were um, talking about that yesterday and um, I've thought about it and I think, you know, it was a slight crosswind, but um, I, you know, like Kerry didn't seem worried about it. And I, I actually understand that because, you know, she has a foot, um, a steering foot in the boat and she is obviously, you know, they're training twice a day, every day. And she, that, that steering foot is almost an extension of her. Like she knows so well, um, she would be steering without even thinking. And I think, yes, the crosswind may have pushed them slightly to that side of the lane, um, but I... I don't think that she was ever worried. I think, you know, she just is so used to, you know, that type of thing happening and she could just gently bring it back. Um, you know, maybe people watching, you know, felt a bit worried about it, but I think she had it under control. We're talking to Juliet Drysdale, folks. Uh, of course, uh, bronze medal winner at the Olympics in the women's pair. Uh, you, uh, Juliet, must be getting quite nervous on behalf of Emma Twig here because this is a former teammate of yours who stepped away from the rowing side of things, got some qualifications, and all of a sudden, uh, out of the blue, decided to recommit herself 
to the sport and now she finds herself uh, so far without a medal but the best ever chance she's had and it could be the ultimate prize. Uh, what do you think's going through her mind? What makes uh, Emma Twig tick? Yeah, like I've just loved watching her. I mean, she just looks incredible out there. You know, she she actually looks like a goddess. She looks fit and strong and calm and relaxed. Um, and she's just rowing so well. Um, I yeah, I just think she's in such a good place. You know, this everything coming together for her. Um, an Olympic final is you know it's it's a big occasion. Um, I think she's capable of you know winning a medal. I I don't know which one, but obviously I'm hoping for gold. Um, but yeah, I, I think she's just in such a good place, and I think, you know, we can't take for granted what it takes to get to an Olympic final. So, you know, for me, you know, she's got to celebrate that, and now that she's there, she has such a huge opportunity. So I just hope that she sits in the blocks and sees it that way and just, you know, um, stays true to her, herself to see what she can achieve. Well, she's certainly got experience on her side. Speaking of which, of course, Kerry and Grace, having uh, got a gold medal already around their neck, take it off briefly and then try and go and win another one in the eight. I mean, you're involved in the women's pair. How physically demanding is that? And when you've already won, can you put yourself back into another boat with another crew and try and win again? Yeah, well, I think they'll definitely be on a high. I think um, that will be an advantage. But they've actually, you know, they've done this before. They've practiced this at World Champs. They've raced the pair in the eight. Um, and I think, yeah, I think... You know, if anyone's capable of doing it, it's them. They've they've had amazing boat speed and they've got a great that women's aid. They're just a fantastic group. You know, very tight knit. Um, and I yeah, I have full confidence in them. I'm um, backing it up. I'm racing in the eight today as well. Well, you put so much into rowing yourself. Uh, women's rowing appears is in such a great state at the moment. Um, you know, it must make you as as part of the legacy of that to be really proud the way things are shaping up. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, it was fantastic, um, Rebecca and Jen winning silver in Rio and then um, uh, Kerry and Grace to go one better with gold. Um, yeah, I couldn't be prouder. Juliet, how do the dry styles watch the Olympic rowing? Do they sit on the couch and do they, are they nervous about it? Are they fairly relaxed about it? I mean, Mahi himself seems pretty uh, sort of a, a layback sort of a dude anyway. I mean, is he the kind of guy that gets up and jumps around? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, we've just been watching, um, you know, from in our living room like many other New Zealanders, and yeah, I mean, I'd say, yeah, we're, we're fairly passionate, but <laughs> there may be a little bit of yelling at the TV, but yeah, we're just, um, we were just thoroughly enjoying um, watching all the racing, particularly the rowing, um, but what I will say is that um, my one-year-old daughter managed to do a lot of drawing on the wall the other day when we were watching the rowing, so... <laughs> Probably need to do a bit oh, more no. parenting as well as watching the rowing. <laughs> I know she's, as you say, she's only one. But do you imagine? <laughs> a, 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 have you even thought about which direction you're going to point her in? Oh look, well, yeah, we've got three, but I mean, yeah, look, I, I don't, I can't say at this point. They're still very young, and I think um, obviously the rowing is always there for them. But we'll just see where see where life takes them. <laughs> Okay, hey, Juliet, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I can hear the excitement in your voice as we get ready for this possible golden hour uh, to the Drysdale family in particular. Thanks for your support to SENZ over the last fortnight as well. Your insight has been absolutely fantastic, and let's just hope the Drysdale Lounge is a, a happy one.
uh, in around about a, an hour and a half's time when all those three crews have had a go at it. So uh, 11.52 here on SENZ. Uh, we're getting towards the end of uh, a very busy week. Uh, and to, uh, to wrap it up, I think we'll have a really relaxed chat with Staffy going into the midday news. Voice of Sport in New Zealand. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 11.57 here on SENZ as we head towards the news at midday. Uh, Ryan Fox teeing off very shortly, of course. He was seven behind going into the second round, a one-under round where he just didn't appear to be able to make too much happen. But he's that kind of golfer that he gets so hot, look out, he can make up some of that ground very, very quickly. 39th last time in Rio, looking for a big improvement there. Uh, Mark Stafford, of course, is uh, taking you through the afternoon from 12 to 4. I'm not sure what to talk to you mainly about. Steph, uh, uh, Rassi Erasmus, it was a bit bizarre, wasn't it? Goodness me, what was happening there? It's very strange, isn't it? Mind you, South Africa do things mm. unconventionally. And I do wonder if there's smoke screens with his role. And But yeah, it's strange. Steph, um, obviously you'll be keeping your fingers on the pulse. Uh, you'll be actually our man on the spot when it comes to these rowing races uh, coming up uh, during your show, the early part of your show. Uh, hell, I, I, I'm really expecting something special to happen. I, I, we could, I think, get three medals here in a very, very quick, short space of time. Yeah, I've just said to Trudy, I think two golds, one bronze for me. That's If I had to predict one, I think Emma Twig's good for gold. I think the woman's eight. Um, not locked in for gold, but a massive chance. And I think if the men get a medal, that, that would be fantastic as well. And that's all happening in the space of, what, 40 minutes? Um, started kicking off yep. at 12.30. And I take on the very responsible role of letting the people know, keeping them updated. I'm currently loading up all the pages of the Olympics, all the sports that the Kiwis are involved in, for the tradies and the drivers that can't uh, get in front of the screen. So... Uh, right here for your Olympic updates all afternoon, Smithy. Also chatting to um, Farah, Pup, Farah Palmer Cup, uh, Bay of Plenty Volcanics' Kendra Reynolds, who's also been pulled into the Black Ferns team. Chatting with Monty Beetham about uh, David Nika. Of course, Monty Beetham, a, a wonderful trainer in his own right. Um, our coaching guru, Wainsworld, who we debuted last week, who's just fantastic. Chris Gemmell, a former New Zealand triathlete, who now works for the ITU in the comms region. He's in Tokyo. And, of course, our best chance of a medal pre-Olympics was the team triathlon, Smithy, and that's tomorrow. And we've already picked one up in the men's. And uh, we're giving away some big prizes today, Smithy. Big Friday prize and gold medal, all medals Olympics here. Good on you, staff. Thanks for that. My thanks uh, this morning, as always, to uh, Trude for the news. Uh, to Brian on panel, outstanding. To JD... Stick around. Uh, a real producer's coming in shortly. Dave Worsley, you might get some tips. Four out of ten at best for you today, pal. Have a good weekend. Come back better. Here's the news. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.